0: Good morning. Welcome to Christ Church. My name is Steve Noble. I am thrilled to be worshiping alongside you. Whether you are joining us in the sanctuary this morning or joining us online, we are so glad to be worshiping with you. Just a heads up, if you're watching online, in just a moment we're going to be inviting our community to light the third... Advent candle together. And so if you're not here, I would encourage you to grab a scented candle off your desk and get ready to create a little holy space together with your family in your home. Well, friends, we are so thrilled to be welcoming you to worship this morning. If you are joining us for the first time or one of the first times, um, we would love to help you get connected here at Christ Church. I mean, there's information on the screen. Go ahead and shoot us a text or visit our webpage. We just want to help you get connected in this really challenging time. Now, friends, will you join me in this Christmas responsive reading as we together light the third candle of Advent? During this sacred season of Advent, we light candles on the wreath to signify God's promise to be light in the darkness. The evergreen wreath is a circle with no beginning and no end, symbolizing God's unending love and faithfulness. The first candle represents our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, the second candle Represents the peace that only He can bring. The third candle, which we light today, signifies the joy we experience in His love.
1: The Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Lord One and Only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth.
0: Come, let us worship the God of hope, peace, and joy the God whose love has no end, the one who came in the form of a baby to save us from our sin. Come, let us worship God. confession Gracious God our sins are too heavy to carry They are too real to hide and too deep to undo Forgive us Lord for what our trip our lips tremble even to name What our hearts can no longer bear and for what has become for us, Lord, a consuming fire of judgment. Lord, forgive us for the ways that we have fallen farther from you as we've in many ways been overcome by the challenges of 2020. Lord, set us free from our past sin. Set us free, Lord, from old habits, from patterns in our lives that we struggle to break. Lord, set us free from the past that we cannot change and open us to a future in which we can be changed. And grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image. Through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. In the name of our Lord Jesus, Messiah, Emmanuel, we pray. Amen. Well, friends, the good news of Advent is that Jesus Christ has come into the world that he has led the way through death, that we may have life, and he is coming again, and he will make all things new. Friends, hear this word of assurance from Psalm 85. It says, the Lord forgives the iniquity of his people, and he covers all their sins. He sets aside his wrath and turns from his fierce anger. Friends, your sins are forgiven. pray with me. Almighty God, who taught us to pray not only for ourselves, but for people everywhere, hear us as we pray for others in the name of Jesus Christ. Inspire the whole church, Lord, with your power, unity, and peace. Grant that all who trust you may obey your word and live together in love. Lead all nations in the way of justice and goodwill. Lord, we ask that you might direct those who govern that they may rule fairly, maintain order, uphold those in need, and defend oppressed people that this world may claim your rule and know true peace, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would awaken all people to the hope that can be found in you. Grant us a reverence for your word. Help us to see your light that guides us into a renewed life. Give grace to all who proclaim the gospel through word and sacrament in deeds of mercy, that by their teaching and example they may reveal your love for all people. Comfort and relieve, O Lord, all who are in trouble, in sorrow, in poverty, in sickness, and in grief, especially those known to us who we name before you now in silence. Heal them in body, mind, or countenance. Working in them by your grace wonders beyond all they may dream or hope. Lord, guide our church as we seek to be your kingdom people in our communities. And now we pray as your son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, to fit. Amen. Well, amen. Well, friends, a few notes as we continue with a busy Advent season. Next week we'll be continuing our The Light Leads Us series and Pastor Meyer will be talking about how the light of Jesus leads us from fear to faith. We hope that you will consider joining us again next week and pass a warm um, invitation on to a friend or a family member who you think might be blessed by that message. As you know, Christmas is a busy season here at Christchurch. On a normal year, this room, this building would be stuffed to the rafters with people worshiping, celebrating the coming of our King. Unfortunately, friends, um, this year we are going to have to move all of our Um, Christmas Eve services online. It's been a hard decision, a hard move that we've had to make, but One that we make out of an abundance of caution and love for our community. We want to make sure that we are keeping all of you, all of our community safe. We do hope that you will join us on Christmas Eve. We have some incredible Christmas Eve services prepared for our community. and We hope that you will continue to invite those same people that you would invite to Christmas Eve in this room. We hope you'll join us um, live for classic services at 5, 7, 9, and 11 online and live contemporary services at 4, 6, 8, and 10. Um, and those are all available in our media library all day. We also have um, something we're calling Christmas Shorts that is a new thing we're doing this year on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of Christmas week. We hope that you'll join us for short 10 to 15-minute services. They are designed to be an appropriate length for families with young kids. They're a little little shorter, but they are great content for People of all ages, we hope that you'll join us for those. And that is a lot to remember. I just gave you a whole bunch of numbers. Um, we have there's a number on the screen. If you're interested in getting um, a simple text reminder when all of that is going live, when Christmas Eve service are going live, um, we'll just we can follow the instructions on the screen. We can ping you out a little bit of information. We won't spam you. We won't send you stuff you don't want. Um, but if you're interested in having a little buzz, knowing when Christmas stuff is going on here at the church, feel free to follow those instructions. Now, friends, one of the joys for us as a church staff in this season is helping you to see some of the ways that we are seeing God working powerfully in our community over the last year. Um, one such instance that I would like to bring to your attention is what God has been doing through the McNaughton family in Western Springs. The McNaughtons are they're a young family in Western Springs, and they have been moved powerfully by the reality that so many in our community are struggling with food insecurity in this time. And so they gather their friends, their family members, their teachers, their classmates, and they decided to have their own um, little food drive. and And they have been overwhelmed by the response in their community. God. Has has certainly taken their small idea and magnified it and made it into something truly, truly incredible. And that's just a true thing about God. That is something that our God does. He takes our small ideas, He takes our small offerings, and He takes them and He magnifies them. He is the God who feeds the 5,000 from our small gift. And so, friends, as we transition in worship into a time of generosity where we give to God His tithes and our offerings, be encouraged, knowing that God takes our small gifts. He takes our small offerings, whatever they may be, and he magnifies them and he multiplies them for the good purposes of his kingdom. If you are interested in giving to the church, supporting the ministries of the church in this season, you can follow the instructions on the screen. You can text, you can go online, you can drop them off here at the building. But friends, let's give to God knowing that he will magnify what we give to him. Let's give to God his tithes and our offerings. Mm
1: His gifts we bring her, rumba pum pum, rumba pum pum, pom. pum pum.
2: Good morning again. My name is Rick Lyman. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Christ Church. It's my privilege to share with you in this marvelous Christmas message again today. I want to welcome those that are joining us on our online broadcast, as well as those who are here in our sanctuary. You all look great who are in front of me. I can see those marvelous masks. Thank you for wearing them. One benefit I've learned from those in this colder weather is they keep your face warm when you're outside with them on. So that's kind of a benefit. They also keep everyone safe here in the building. We are in the middle of our Advent series this year entitled The Light Will Lead Us, The Light of Jesus' Love. And we began with talking about the unstoppable light two weeks ago in our lessons in Carol's services. And then last week, Pastor Dan and Pastor Tara Beth shared how the light leads us from loneliness to love. Today, we're going to consider how that very same light leads us from grief and sadness into joy. We're going to hear from God's word today how it's going to help us. He is going to help us move from sadness, discouragement, and the darkness of what seems to be surrounding us into his brilliant light and into his love and into his healing. So please listen as I read for us our scripture passage from Luke chapter 2. Hear the word of the Lord. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. May I invite you to join me in a word of prayer God's Holy Spirit will illuminate his word to us. These are living and active words scripture gives to us and the Holy Spirit's the one that helps us understand them. I also ask you to pray for me as I share this message today that I will deliver it the way God would have me do it. Let us pray. Precious Father, we thank you for the truth that you've given us in your word. We thank you that it's been recorded for us and preserved over the many centuries so that we can read it ponder it, and put it into practice in our lives. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will illuminate your words to our hearts and our minds so that we can grasp them with our minds and receive them with our heart this very day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, we really need some good news, don't we? Good news of great joy for all the people. There's a lot, a lot of people around this globe right now that are waiting for it, longing for some really good news. Now this message of good news came through an angel, someone that God sent. I suspect that not many of you are getting your news in your daily life from an angel. If you are, I'd love to talk to you and find out how that's going but many of us are getting our news from another letter, that's the word that starts with the letter A, maybe from your Android or your Apple device. As you scroll through your news app, as you're looking on your device daily for the weather and different activities and different things, we live in, these digi- in this digital world. And so often, we're being bombarded from the moment we awake in the morning. I know I do it. I take my phone off the charger and I scan through a few different things, including a news app that I like, the BBC app, that I get world news and I like to see what's going on. And all the way to the other end of my day, when I'm putting that thing back on the charger before I go to bed, I take a look again, just checking some different things, whether it's an Instagram feed or a Facebook feed I like, or a news, just to see what's going on. But what's happening is... We, if we do that, we're caught up in that, we're saturating our minds with a never-ending and cascading flow of negative and dark news. It's nonstop. If you turn on your TV, scanning through any news station, it's breaking news. And I haven't seen one of those breaking news things in this last 10 months for sure ever be something good. It's always bad news. It's no wonder that we're feeling so dark and so down in these days. It's an understanding the Scripture would have us turned from. But as we're looking at that news, we're seeing how the coronavirus numbers continue to increase. More people are dying, and it weighs on us. We're seeing the schools are closing, or try to open, or restaurants and other businesses are being shut down. We're hearing about the economy suffering and struggling, and unemployment is up. This has become known in our time as a something called doom scrolling. You might not have heard that term before, but it's the act of soaking our brains with a constant stream of this negative news on social media and in our apps. This is so prevalent that dictionary.com has actually created this world, doomscrolling, as one of the new words recreated because of coronavirus. Isn't that great? A new word has been invented. But doomscrolling, or looking or listening to bad news all the time, cannot possibly really help us. It can only drag us further down into the mounting grief all of us are feeling, the different kinds of grief, the depression that so many suffer from is added to, and the anxiety that wants to rule our lives is just fueled by that constant stream of negative news. Friends, we really need to consider and listen to the good news that the Scriptures give us. But remember back when Jesus was born in that stable nearly 2,000 years ago, he was born into a very dark time in Israel's history. We've been bombarded for 10 plus months recently with really bad news. Friends, the nation of Israel, it had been 10 generations, 400 years since they had any good news or anything to celebrate or any prophet coming to them. And now to break that darkness on that dark night, God sends an angel with glory around it and says, I've got some really good news. I suspect those shepherds were like, Good news. We don't even know what that means. We haven't heard it in our entire lifetimes. But the prophet Isaiah saw this many centuries beforehand. The Holy Spirit revealed this to him in Isaiah chapter 9 where it says those who walked in darkness have seen a radiant light shining upon them. They once lived in the shadows of death, but now a glorious light has dawned. Listen again to what the message of that angel was, in a slightly different translation, said, "Don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard, and it is for everyone, everywhere. The message of the scripture at Christmas is good news that everybody needs to hear afresh, my friends. We haven't had much to celebrate this year, I suspect, but I'm so happy to see Christmas decorations. I love this time of year. My wife Carol and I love to drive around and find beautiful uh, houses that are decorated. Occasionally we find them by accident. We'll drive along someplace, we'll see a street lit up, and we'll just, hey, let's go look at that. It's just so nice to see. But you might live in a neighborhood and, Uh, where there's kind of a competition among neighbors where people are trying to put up more things in their yard every year and it becomes actually a depressing thing because you can't possibly keep up with all of that. I've got a little bit of good news for you if you're in one of those situations with your neighbors and getting frustrated. There was a family in the Midwest sometimes that got a solution. They decided to stop trying to outdo their neighbors. Their solution was to simply have one decoration, a big sign with a large lit arrow pointing at their neighbor's house with one word on it. Ditto. Just a little bit of bonus material there in case you want to cheer up your life. But friends, Jesus' whole purpose for coming to the earth, why we celebrate this event so regularly and so passionately is he was trying to bring people up, lift people up from darkness and give them the light of life. Some, I fear, are so far down right now that they don't know which way is up. We can only take so much. We're being pressured with emotional and mental darkness. Depression is rampant, and suicide rates are at the highest they've been. Not just in the adult population, but in our younger younger adults and younger children and all the way to the older adults. It's become rampant. It's weighing on every one of us. Even the physical darkness that COVID itself brings and the brain fog that goes with that and the challenges and long hospital stays and being separated from people that we love. Friends, when we're feeling overwhelmed and out of control, we can become imprisoned by our own thoughts and emotions. But friends, we're also feeling this thing called grief in very ways right now. Not just the grief of, of loss of a loved one, but there's all kinds of different grief that we're all carrying. Grief can be defined in this way as an intense emotional feeling of suffering caused by loss or disaster or misfortune, which causes a deep kind of sadness. The word is actually derived from a Latin verb meaning to burden. So what we're feeling is a heavy burden. We're carrying a heavy load of feelings that we don't know what to do with sometimes. Now, mourning is defined as to feel or express that sorrow and grief. Mourning is the expression of grief. And that expression comes in many different kinds of feelings. Dr. H. Norman Wright, the noted Christian psychiatrist, captured this ball of feelings with this particular graphic. I hope you can read some of that. There's all kinds of things that, as understand this, that we are tied up in knots on the inside. We may be feeling broken hearted may feel anxiety coming on in ways we've never experienced it before. You may be confused. There's so many things blowing the circuits in your brain and your heart that there's a confusion that comes in. Certainly there's deep sadness. Fear can rise up. We become afraid of the future, afraid of getting sick, afraid of loved ones getting sick. Guilt can rise up. because We don't feel like we can do anything about it. And there's resultant loneliness that comes from this and feelings of abandonment, and many others. We begin to feel like things are just never going to get better, that we're never going to feel good again. We get so used to this cycle of sadness, darkness, and pain that we're not only uh, not feeling it now, but we don't think we're ever going to feel good again, and we can sink into despair. But psychologists observe now there's another kind of grieving happening in great measure, really worldwide is happening. It's known as anticipatory grief. And what this is, is the mind looking into the future and only imagining and envisioning the worst possible outcomes. Your brain starts going to the worst, when you used to have hopes and dreams and aspirations and things you were looking forward to, the things that brought you joy, and you stopped looking at those things because there's so much uncertainty and your mind is trapped in this loop of only going to the worst possible outcomes. But friends, this is exactly why Jesus came to the earth He knew exactly how we were wired. He made us in his image, with our minds the way we think, with our emotional nature, with our inner being. And he came helping and healing and lifting people up in his ministry on earth, and he's never changed. Early in his own public ministry, Jesus described his own call and his mission In the words of Isaiah chapter 61, and I read that for you now. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, Jesus speaking of himself, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me, listen to this, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Listen to what Jesus said he came to this earth to do, to bring good news to poor people, to those that may be out of work, maybe not certain where they're ever going to be able to provide for their family. He will bring good news He wants to heal the broken in heart, and he can do it, to release captives of all kinds and to bring joy to those who are mourning. The psalmist tells us in 147th Psalm, speaking of Jesus, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds, healing their pain and comforting their sorrow. My friends, I realize that maybe some of you today have had your heart broken the breakup in your marriage or your parents' marriage or your family or breakup of another kind of relationship and you're really hurting. I've got good news. Jesus can and will do something about that and bring healing. Maybe you've lost a loved one or loved ones in this recent year, maybe even to COVID. The reality of Jesus said he came to comfort and strengthen you, to translate that pain and mourning into joy and he can and will do it. Maybe you're captive to addiction to alcohol or drugs or gambling or pornography that has ruined your marriage, ruining your family life and ruining your life and you can't get free of it. Jesus said, I've come to set captive people free, to change the course of those behaviors. Maybe you're caught up in this anticipatory grief and can only focus on the worst outcomes. And Jesus would say, look to me, Let me shed light on your future. Look to my word. And maybe you're despairing of life itself. Friends, if you're feeling that way today, I encourage you to do a couple of things. Listen to the words out of the scriptures today. Talk to somebody. If you're really that far down, call one of us as pastors. Call one of us to chat with you or call a counselor. Process it. Get some help. I believe Jesus wants you to have that. Friends, I want to share a little bit of my own personal story because there was a time in my life when I was sitting in very deep darkness. You see a picture on the screen? I'm the guy with the beads around my neck and the rayon shirt, and you can't tell how long my hair is, but I was, that was me at Christmas 1975. The picture's a little bit blurry. My life was a little bit blurry at that point in time. But the reality is, friends, there was a deep darkness in my life. Though outwardly, I was keeping it all together, For sure, it appeared to others that I had it all. I grew up going to church every Sunday, went to 12 years of parochial school. This is my freshman year in college. It prepared me very well for college ahead of me. I had a wonderful and supportive family around me, good friends. I enjoyed sports and had great success at that. But something was missing in my life. To anyone looking at my life from the outside, life was great for me. People envied the trappings of affluence our brilliant and hardworking father had created for us as a family of seven. But by Christmas 1975, my inner turmoil, my emptiness, and my darkness was as deep as the darkest night. I attended. I remember that Christmas as our tradition was a beautiful Christmas Eve midnight mass. That was our regular practice. This was a beautiful sanctuary, candlelit all around. There was a warm glow in that sanctuary. But that light was not in my heart. It couldn't reach me that night. To soothe my unrelenting inner pain and depression, i had begun self-medicating with much alcohol and drugs, which only gave me a temporary numbing, but only served to exacerbate those very issues for me. I was convinced, though, that my problems were caused by others. I was keenly aware of the flaws of other people and quick to be critical of them, but fully ignorant of my own issues. But then... Just two short months later, in February, late February of uh, 1976, without any warning whatsoever, I was thrust into a week-long experience where I did not eat or sleep, and it was terrifying. I didn't know what was happening. That light, the light of the world, had come to me personally and buried directly. No human being was talking to me, and I was thrust into a dimension that's hard to describe in fully in human terms. But that divine light shone such a huge searchlight over me, I couldn't escape it. My darkness, my darkness, my flaws, my inner self were exposed in that inescapable light, and I saw them. I was horrified at what I saw. I saw myself as I really was, and I hated it. I hated what I saw. I finally began to realize that it wasn't everyone else that was the problem. It was me. I was the problem. I'd been blaming others for all my life. Jesus said in the scriptures in John 3 that people hide from the light because their deeds were evil. That was me. I was hiding. I wasn't sharing this with anybody, certainly not asking Jesus for help. One of those dark, long, lonely nights alone in my dorm room on the fifth floor out at NIU, I was sitting in the dark just wondering what in the world is happening to me? And a thought came to my mind prompted my mind could this be God and suddenly at that moment a bright light shone in my dorm room much like it broke the night sky when that angel spoke and I looked I said oh, I couldn't believe what I was seeing I thought someone was. I ran to the window looked out thought someone was playing a gag and shining a huge spotlight but I'm five stories up it's two in the morning it's pitch black out there I said what in the world is this the next night at about 3 a.m. in the morning, I'm sitting there still trying to figure out what's going on in my life. The same thing happened. And I began to realize that someone much bigger and more powerful than me was there with me. And I slowly started to feel a strong desire to change my life. All that stuff I saw about myself that I didn't like, I was given this desire to change and start my life over and do it again and live it right. My fear and my anxiety slowly began to melt as I realized this powerful one was there to help me, not to hurt me. In fact, to save me from the destructive path my life was on. I felt a power and love I had never known. It was, like I said, there to help me, and I was given the power to stop those destructive patterns immediately. A power that came with that truth and brilliant light that was hard to see then began to transform in the power to change. I wanted to start my life over and do it again and wanted to love and care for and teach and help others i realize i look back that was a turning point in my life where i went from that deep sadness and darkness and a journey towards joy when i got my mind and my thoughts off of me because that's all i had ever thought about was me and what was good for me and started thinking about helping others and then i was also suddenly given without any warning a strong desire to read the bible I'd never once willingly opened a Bible and read it in my 18 years of life. And I started reading. Then about two weeks later, in Tecate, Mexico, of all places, God brought a young Christian woman in my path who had the courage to tell me more about Jesus. I was talking about what had happened to me. I said, I feel like I've been born again. I didn't even know what it meant, spiritually speaking. And she said, well, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. Then she asked me a simple question. She said, you know, Rick, have you ever asked Jesus or invited Jesus into your heart. And I thought about it for a second. I'd been in church all my life. I said, no, I've actually never done that. And she said, would you like to do that right now? I said, well, yes. She put a hand on my shoulder and led me in a prayer, or I simply invited Jesus into my life. And friends, my life, which had been careening recklessly like a truck that had lost its brake on a treacherous mountain road headed for destruction, was suddenly transformed and jettisoned upward, propelled by the mighty power of God's Holy Spirit with a high-arching trajectory that leads all the way to heaven. The last 44-plus years, I've been riding that rocket fueled by God's power and grace and Holy Spirit and not my own strength, all because Jesus came to the earth to set captives like me and you free for good. He was certainly born in that stable in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, but in 1976, Jesus was born in my heart. That powerful one invaded my life with an effusive love and truth. Is He, that same Jesus, is here present in our sanctuary. He's here there in your living room or wherever you're watching this broadcast today. He's present. He's powerfully present with the same ability to heal, to give new life, to give new hope, and a completely new future to anyone who will ask. You see, the virgin birth certainly and indeed was a miracle, but the rebirth we experience in Jesus is no less of a miracle. The same Father God made them both happen, and he'll do it for you. Don't run from him. This is a season where we need to run to him. Like the shepherds, when they heard that news, they ran to see Jesus. We need to run to him. Max Locato so brilliantly captures this journey from grief and sadness to joy in his book, The Applause of Heaven. I want to share a brief excerpt of that with you. He says, The first step to joy is a plea for help, an acknowledgement of moral destitution and admission of inward paucity. Those who taste of God's presence have declared spiritual bankruptcy and are aware of their spiritual crisis. That was me. Their cupboards are bare, their pockets are empty, their options are gone. They've long since stopped demanding justice. And they're pleading for mercy. They don't brag, they beg. They ask God to do for them what they can't do without him. They have seen how holy God is. And how sinful they are, and they cry out to him. Back to my story in 1976, that young woman named Melanie, after that short prayer, shortest evangelism probably ever, anybody ever did, she handed me a little New Testament and a mimeograph copy. Remember mimeographs? That's how old I am. It was a long time ago. About 13 scripture verses. She said, Read this and memorize these verses. And I did. And I love the fact how that transformed my life. The scriptures, which are the light of God's word, they give us life. They were the path that I walked upon. Those were the stepping stones I moved forward to move out of that grief, to move out of that darkness, and into a completely different kind of life, filled with joy, purpose, meaning, and real peace. The psalmist tells us in the 119th Psalm about the word of God, saying, your word is like a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. It shows how life should be lived. In closing, friends, several years back, a woman in Tennessee, you might have heard about this back there a few years ago, named Karen, had a three-year-old son named Michael and was expecting a a baby, and it was a little girl. Every night before he went to bed, big brother-to-be Michael would sing to the baby in mommy's tummy. He'd always chosen an old country standard, you are my sunshine, sang it to his little sister in his mommy's tummy every night. Well, the pregnancy was very smooth, went to full term, But complications, serious complications, developed during delivery, and the baby became seriously distressed. When she was born, they rushed her to the neonatal ICU in Knoxville, and day by day, things looked more and more grim. The pediatrician gave them no hope. Karen and her husband had picked out a new nursery furniture. Now they had to contact a funeral home and pick out a burial plot. They had planned a homecoming party. Now they began to plan a funeral for their infant daughter. Finally, after two weeks in the ICU, Karen decided to let little Michael go and see his baby sister, knowing this might be the only chance he had to see her alive. And she took him into that NICU. Michael stood on tiptoe, looking at that crib for a moment to see the tiny form hooked up to all those wires and tubes. And then he stepped back Just an inch. He began to sing, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. Almost immediately, the baby began to respond for the first time. Her rapid pulse became slower and steadier, and Karen, the mother, said, keep on singing, Michael. As he continued, you'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. The more little Michael sang, the stronger his little sister's vital signs became. The nurses gathered around to witness and to weep with Karen as she cried tears of joy. The next day, that little girl was able to get out of the neonatal intensive care unit, and the next day after that, she was able to go home. Woman's Day magazine at the time called it the miracle of a brother's song. The medical staff just said, this is a plain old miracle. But Karen called it the miracle of God's love. Friends, today, we have a song to sing to a dying and hurting and broken world around us that will save them. We have a melody so sweet that it will cure the sickness of all kind in our society. Friends, a song that you and I sing of love and hope can save someone's soul, restore their hope, lift them out of depression and anxiety, sadness and grief. This good news of Jesus, it never changes and it never gets old. Every generation needs to hear it, especially ours right now. Friends, may this life-giving, life-saving song of Christ's love ring out true and loud through us in this season as never before. But I realize that some of you who may be listening to me here in the sanctuary or watching online are just now hearing this message of Jesus' love in a different way. You understand he's not mad at you. You understand he's not going to punish you. You understand that he's not going to condemn you. And I want to ask you, if you're one of those, the same question Melanie asked me in 1976. Have you ever asked Jesus, invited him to come into your heart and in your life? If not, I encourage you to do that very thing even now as I lead us all in a closing prayer. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus, to be born, to come into this world, and to save us. Lord, your word says to us, you did not send your Son into this world to condemn us, but be by means of him to save us. Lord Jesus, I invite you afresh into my heart. Come into my mind and my heart and into my body and take up residence inside of me Be seated on the throne of my heart. I yield to you. I need you. I want you. I ask you to forgive my sins. I ask you to free me from my darkness. I ask you to heal the broken places in my life that I can't fix myself. And I thank you now for doing so. In Jesus' name, amen. as you're going to be departing from our sanctuary in just a few moments i want to say thank you again for practicing the social distancing for having your masks on and registering doing all the protocols that's keeping everyone safe as you depart today from the sanctuary i encourage you to wait for the ushers to release you by section we'll be doing that one section at a time to allow for uh, free passage outside the building i encourage you if you want to talk to your friends to do so outside i know it's a little colder now but that's one way we can keep everyone safe without congregating in the building. If you need to do, use a the restroom, they're certainly available for you as you depart the building. I want to say one thing before I give her a benediction here. If you're one of those who is very much feeling down and trapped, a little book I strongly recommend is Hope for a Hopeless Day by Dr. Jack Hayford. It's available online. We may have some in our church bookstore, though the building is not really open. It would not be open today. I apologize. It's a marvelous little book that will help you and also, if you'd like those 13 verses uh, I referenced, uh, feel just let someone know in the chat there and give me your email, get us your email address, or if you're here today, just email us and we'll get those to you. They were powerful and profound and changed my life. Friends, as you go and go on with your day's activity, receive this benediction. May the Father God who so loved you and me that he sent his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus, to this earth to be our Savior. He gave him up for us all. May he embrace you afresh in his powerful arms of love. May his strong arm lift you from the dark places you're stuck in. May he heal the wounded and broken places in you. And may he give you the light of life as never before. And may Jesus, your Savior, your Redeemer, may he come alongside of you with profound power and take you by the hand and lead you straight forward down the middle of God's pure, good, and perfect will for your life. And may that Holy Spirit, who's sent to be our comforter, to be our counselor, and to be our guide, may he fill you with peace. May he fill you with joy. And may he fill you with an experience of God's powerful love this day and every day as we celebrate his coming. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Oh